Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. I'm Britton. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> Well, I'm not the nice one anymore. That's all the time. That's all the time we have for today. Yeah, we're just gonna uh, claim it. I'm I'm not the nice one anymore. I don't care. And you're tired of pretending. Yeah, you're not I'm the nice tired. One. I'm tired of uh, all the lies. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Mm-hmm. Call me call me Zack Snyder and, Superman because I'm angry and taking your clothes. <laughs> yeah. Britain, that's, I'm sorry. We we've we've that's my hat. We've put you through hell at least for the past couple of weeks, if not you know the last three weeks, including the last scream. <laughs> Oh, eh. but yeah, no, I don't like this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not been a pleasant ride for us as of late. Although I, I like, really like I think Halloween ends is good. I just you know mm. I get I said my stuff my stuff. Yeah, we're we're here. We're la- for the last Jurassic World. Uh, theoretically, it's the last Jurassic World. Uh, mm. yeah. How are there six Jurassic Park movies? Who let that happen? Th- and there's so- one good one. <laughs> Who I want to let, let that happen. Let's get get to the like the details and through you know the score and everything. <clears throat> but then I I feel like I have my starting point for this just in terms of like the fact that this movie exists. Um but the movie we were talking about is Jurassic World Dominion and it is directed by Colin Oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's a handoff. It was a nice <laughs> segue. I thought that was going to be a I don't know how to say his last name. Somebody take yeah. it, please. Is it Trevorrow? Is it Trevorrow? Tomato, tomato, really. Uh, Jurassic World, the last one from 2022, directed by Colin Trevorrow. I'll just go with it. It has a 29% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 77% audience score. It's Why? a real crowd pleaser. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a popcorn flick. You know, you just go, you go to the theater or you pay six bucks for a crappy peacock premium subscription and then you watch this terrible movie and shove popcorn in your face and go all right what i like i like looking at a half second of a dinosaur before it cuts back to a person watching (laughs) this movie in a in a theater to me i i feel i did not actually watch it in a theater um i that watched it on a tv but i i feel like watching it on theater would be the equivalent of watching like the the comparison my brain keeps wanting to go to, and I think it's just because it's dinosaurs, but it, it feels apt is Terra Nova. If I remember the, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't I don't remember which channel that was. I think that was supposed to be like a kind of like trying to to fill that void after Lost, um, yeah. or like uh, the other one that I I meant to look up before this because I for whatever reason I got the same the same feel. But the show that's like <laughs> it's 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 a show about a blackout that happens everywhere. Oh, Jericho. No, this is like it, it's like it's like the entire world is it, it's something out. I think like it might just be called like blackout or something like that. And like huh. all all electricity stops working in the world. I'll look it up at some point, and then I'll just like interject in the middle of this podcast. Point is, this reminds me so much of a big cable TV show, like. Yeah. It feels like you're watching a procedural. I mean, like Agents of Shield would probably be. I, I like Agents of Shield from what I remember watching it at the time, but like, I think in terms of like effects quality and like general flow of the story, 
it feels like watching two and a half episodes of a show like that. Just like if you were doing that in a theater, like I can't, <laughs> I feel like that, that exp- I think I would have like, I don't know, fallen asleep. Like I, I can't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Uh, what is the synopsis of this alleged? Um, I don't. Film. I don't want to know how expensive film. Uh, the synopsis reads thus: Four years after the destruction of Isla Nublar, dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. This fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on a planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures. That is never really that by the end of the movie, it's just like, we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. (laughs) The movie kind of has that theme as a bookend. Yeah, talk about it a lot. But the middle, the whole middle of the movie is not about that at all. Yeah. Revolution. It's not like the, the, uh. Revolution is the show I was thinking of. Oh, Revolution. For sure, for sure. I am not going to look up. I think there was only one. Maybe there were two seasons. I don't know. There were like, yeah, two or three. Uh, but I'm yeah, not I, uh, going to look up the budget of this movie and be sad. But yeah, it uh, the the status quo is not any different or seemingly affected by the end of the movie. Right. They stopped the locust problem, which is only specific to this movie. It was not present in any right. of the previous films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I feel like I'm going to end up being the nicest of of the three of us to this movie, and that might just be because. Fallen Kingdom was one of the most baffling experiences I've had in a theater um, where I was just kind of in shock as to how that movie got made. Um, Through the craft of filmmaking, I guess, because that movie's J.A. Bayona directing, Trevorrow is just responsible for the story for that one. Um, I think that's probably the best made of the the three Jurassic World films. I think yeah. it's got some pretty well executed scenes, and I think it integrates the CG probably the best of the mm-hmm. three. Um, but it's got some insane story choices, and this one basically just kind of goes. It, it doesn't. It's not ambitious. It doesn't uh, do anything interesting or really groundbreaking or risky. It's just kind of boring, and. I guess I'm saying boring is better than terrible. Yeah, th- so that's... <laughs> I think that's a good starting point. One, this movie I did just look up has a budget... Had a budget of 165 to 185 million dollars. Uh, I mean, like, we've we've watched movies that are more expensive. We've talked about movies that are more expensive than that, but not, like, a whole lot more expensive than that. That's... This movie does not look like that translated. Um, also... I think talking about the the last movie, like that to me, and I remember, I think we, we talked about this as well. Like the ending of that is essentially clone girl lets out all the dinosaurs and says like, this is a good idea after like, it looked like it was going to end maybe with massacring all the dinosaurs. It put itself in like a weird, like either of these scenarios is pretty bad. And like, really like, where are you going to go with this? Uh, but they went with the one that does not involve murdering all the dinos. So fair enough. Um, and then from there, it's, it's like, (sighs) that is such a swing for the fences premise that dinosaurs go out into the world and they just integrate. They become, life finds a way. They become part of the ecosystem kind of invasive species style. 
and then everything is different and now dinosaurs exist and you just have to live among them. Like that is not something that is, I guess I really expected this movie to sort of be about them trying to take control of that as these dinosaurs run. Like maybe they're going around almost like what the very beginning of this movie is where they're going around and like, capturing dinos that have escaped and like saying like oh what's going on um but this movie because it starts with this spiel that's just like we're just getting all this like news footage out of the way and there's all these crazy things happening uh around the world because we have dinosaurs now and you know here's the latest on the corporations that are taking advantage of this and diving right into i guess world building um, and kind of just jumping ahead until this is the reality and not like the last movie just left off with, guess we'll see what happens. Um, and then the movie itself is is not lived in in the slightest in this scenario and world and like idea. And so it, it's such a bizarre thing to be like, it. it feels like the movie doesn't really want to interface with that premise but also wants dinosaurs to just be able to pop up wherever. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It It's so weird to me that the last movie, they were like, yeah, that seems like we can take the franchise in a, in a good direction from here. That seems like it's going to be sustainable if we keep going in, in that path. Like this is, this is like a prestige TV show premise. Like this is, this is where you like, instead of, instead of Westworld, you do dino world. You do, you do like, we have to, uh explore what it's like to live in this world now that dinosaurs are everywhere and there's too many and they've already spread everywhere and you can't stop them which i already have some questions about like if i'm not mistaken they all got released from that one factory thing and now they're like everywhere and not like just in the i don't know 400 mile radius of that area some of them ran real fast. <laughs> yeah, and like they're across like oceans. And I know the idea is kind Look, of they ran real fast. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's it's a whole weird thing. Um, it, It's really weird for them to take that premise that was already leaving the franchise in a really strange spot and going to require some real heavy lifting to make it work. And then to jump so far and so deep into that premise and just be like, this is how they, things are now. We're not really going to think about it too hard. Uh, we're just going to kind of do it and let the story uh, dictate if we want stuff to happen at certain times and if we want stuff to pop up at certain times. It's bizarre. Um, I, you know, I just right off the bat, like I could not understand what the movie was trying to do because the it, it was, it's like, skipping over what should have been like a five years in in universe span and then just taking this little slice of like here's a little a little bit of some characters you know and they're all interacting and some stuff happens with dinos it doesn't really change a whole lot yeah (laughs) like (laughs) i don't i don't get it i do not know how this got made yeah i wanted to talk about the opening news footage because it I messaged y'all that it, it it really felt like a dino version of the boys, but mm-hmm. badly made and unintentionally funny. Mm-hmm. Um, where on the boys, you'll ha- they, there's a lot of like, 
news clips, people talking about like, oh, there was another super incident when, you know, somebody took off at super speed and that killed someone or that there's the talk about the collateral damage. Yeah. And the and again, the boys is, you know, an eight plus hour movie every mm-hmm. season. And so you, but that world does feel lived in and you do get a sense of like the day to day superhero element. And, and I understand it has the luxury of time, but this movie opens up with, um, well, it opens up with a water scene that I'll talk about that I, very quickly, I think taught me what I was in for. Um, but the the news montage is I guess supposed to be the entry point into the world of like this is why it's difficult and there are black market dinosaur breeders mm-hmm. and there are these uh, I don't know random attacks and stuff but it all plays as so comical there's like a shot of a little girl running around a dude ranch being chased by like Comsignathuses there's a couple like t- releasing doves at their wedding and a pteranodon just like swoops down and eats one of the doves. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell if I was supposed to find it funny or if I was supposed to find it like journalistic or interesting or intimidating or or what. Like it's just presented in such a flat way that I just felt like I was laughing at the movie. And I was like, I don't this is silly. (laughs) This is this doesn't have a sense of of dread or or awesomeness to it. And I don't mean awesome isn't cool. I mean, awesome. And it doesn't have any, it just, I don't know. It's presented in such a flat way. Yeah. It's, it's very, very odd because I feel like we're almost, I mean, not almost, we are, we're veering back into Jurassic Park three territory. Mm -hmm. So you have the original Jurassic Park, which has a very B movie level concept. And of course there's the Michael Crichton novel, which fleshes everything out. And there's a lot of detail and world building there. But in terms of an overall premise for a movie, could be very very stupid if given to the wrong person but of course you have spielberg and you've got that cast and they elevate it and make it into something wonderful and then you get the sequels and people don't know what to do and then they just turn into the b movies that they could have yeah that it could have been originally yeah and yeah i think particularly because colin trevaro just seems like such a very serious earnest guy like i've seen him in some interviews he just seems to take himself real seriously and it's like, it's the, it's that question, Britton. Is he, does he think we aren't laughing at that? Yeah. Because there like, are, there are moments in the movie that are supposed to be funny. There are clear jokes. I don't think they are funny, but they right. are, there, there is, I clearly get the, the goal of a given line or moment. That opening bet, I had no clue what I was supposed to be feeling. But the last half of the previous film is about a black market auction that's happening at, this guy's mansion and it's like oh in his basement they're just buying up dinosaurs that have like military capabilities and it's the silliest thing and you just can't help but wonder are are they do they think we're that dumb like yeah who's i i don't know what this relationship is between filmmaker and audience right now I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be taking it on on its terms or what its terms even are. <laughs> this movie also feels almost afraid to be tense or just it doesn't know how to be tense. I have a whole spiel mm-hmm. about the action sequences that I can get into whenever y'all are wanting to get some milk or an orange. <laughs> but I just, yeah, the opening sequence, I'll, I'll just talk about the opening because I can do that quickly. It's some guys on a fishing boat and they drop a cage to catch a bunch of fish. 
And we all know, like, oh, a Mosasaur or whatever is going to get get it. And the giant Mosasaur comes up, and I was like, oh, if we're opening with underwater stuff, I'm all in. I love underwater stuff. It's the scariest stuff. That's oh, awesome. I was disappointed by the paucity of that in Jurassic World. But if we're doing it here, okay, we're out in the open ocean. We can get some real wide shots. We can get some real scale. We see the head come up and bite the cage and flip the boat over, and then we go into uh, a montage. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's no tension. There's no... By the time the head comes up, you're like, oh, here we go. It's over. And I was like, okay, I, th- this is kind of telling me. It's, we're going to keep setting up an interesting idea, and then yes. we're going to dis- dispense with it as quickly and flatly as possible. That is one of the uh, differences in the edits. Um, it comes with that scene. I ended up watching the extended cut, which is 14 minutes longer. And you both watched the theatrical cut. Um, it seems like it didn't make all that much of a difference. But one of the big things is the opening scene in the extended cut is um, kind of a flashback to prehistoric times. And you see dinosaurs as they lived. And the... Uh, Gigabyte Asaurus uh, kills mm-hmm, a T-Rex, mm-hmm. and then the mosquito uh, drinks the, the T-Rex's blood, and then that it gets trapped in the amber, and it, it's a reference. You've you've seen some of the other movies, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and, and somebody and the, another dinosaur at a check-in station's like, "We'll name you Mosquito. That'll yeah. be your name." <laughs> yeah. I mean, with this movie, I would also, not be surprised. Also, um, uh, Alex, it, it, I believe it's. Uh, giantosaurus uh because it's it's big yeah it's like bigger than a t-rex i I like a gigabytosaurus so i'm gonna keep saying that okay thank you thank you (laughs) Um, (laughs) you're welcome but the the scene with the mosasaurus actually in the extended cut it buttons the newsreel montage it's like the very end Mm. of it and it's like huh it sounds like it's a shorter version to fit that montage okay I can so. I can accept that a little bit better because, I mean, I would still be disappointed, but at least it, it wouldn't feel like they were just refusing to do something. Also, there's a scene at the beginning of the movie showing the T-Rex, um, and it charges through like a drive-in theater. Oh. Is that, mm. that's not in the theatrical no. cut. Okay. Yeah, the so that's... Cut, we, we see the T-Rex, there's a random out of nowhere, there is a shot of the T-Rex on a plane. And then we don't see the T-Rex again until... Okay, so this um, is supposed later. to be the setup to how the T-Rex is captured, because there's like a Biosyn helicopter that's chasing, and it's it's going through this whole theater. Gotcha, gotcha. Wrecking cars and stuff. What movie um, are they watching on the drive-in? Is it Charlie Chaplin, because this is a real movie? There was some reference... Oh, God, I can't remember. Let me Let me see if I can figure it out. There was actually a reference to what was playing there. <laughs> it's It's not like the... I'm trying to think of like an old movie with like a claymation dinosaur or something. Oh yeah, like Ten Thousand Years BC. Yeah, something no, it wasn't years. like an old Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. No. Okay. Well. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out, but you guys was, keep talking because the this... 2000 Scooby Doo uh, <laughs> film. It was actually Tron. Whoa! Watching some, watching some Tron with T Rex just yeah. had no business speaking of gigabytes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, and I should I should also give the disclaimer that I, I haven't seen Fallen Kingdom. Um so for whatever that's worth. 
I don't. I don't even know. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> that is. I figured it wouldn't. It wouldn't worsen my experience. Yeah. You know, it's not really yeah. gonna make a difference. But yeah, just to put that out there. But, um. Well, I, I'll I'll just talk about the action sequences. Yes. Uh, I thought they were just awful. Um. I think that. <laughs> The the movie that I can most closely reference or, or compare this to in that sense is The Greatest Showman, which I don't know if I've talked about <laughs> on this podcast before, but it is one of my personally most hated movies. I, and it I does tell you something, dear listener, that Jurassic World Dominion has invoked this. Has, yeah, has it really should. Uh, out of the out yeah. of the the depths, the, this is the true monster. Right, out of depths is Britain's hatred for Greatest Showman. Yeah, Continue. this is my this is this this uh, Spinosaurus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, in the greatest showman constantly they are setting up here's the musical number but it felt like they are constantly giving you the premise of a musical number and then overcutting it to ribbons so that you never get to really grasp what the choreography is or appreciate how talented anybody is or get any sense of scale you're just sort of getting it feels like you're constantly getting the pitch for the musical number as opposed to the full experience and i felt like that happened a lot with the action sequences in this the the best the, the kind of microcosm for me was when um Chris Pratt and DeWanda Wise's character and Bryce Dallas Howard, Howard are in a plane. They hear a rumble. They're like, what's that? Out of nowhere, a giant pterosaur attack, jumps, lands on the plane. It, we, we don't see the pterosaur except in like one or two shots. Mm-hmm. The pterosaur immediately hits both of the, the um, like weak points of the plane if this were a machine right. in Horizon Zero Dawn. It immediately hits both of the turbines, drags its beak and slices down the middle of the plane and then flies away. Done. And then they're like, oh, we got to go and you got to eject the chair and get out of here. And then then there's kind of some interesting camera stuff. Well, interesting. There's some stuff, camera <laughs> stuff where Bryce Dallas Howard holding, being in the, 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 the ejector seat with the parachute and these other little pterosaurs flying around her. And then she lands and we deal with some other stuff. I'm not a movie maker, but to me, you can draw that. There are such obvious ways to make that more tense or more um, awe-inspiring to do anything. You could have them go, wait, what, what? do you guys hear something? And then maybe outside of the window, you see like the crest rise out of the clouds. And then slowly they realize, and then maybe it's a top shot or a, a, an above shot. And then you realize they're flying over this giant pterosaur. Or maybe... They're talking, and then suddenly a shadow falls, and they're like, uh, did it suddenly become nighttime? And then you look up and realize the pterosaur is above them and is overtaking the plane. But the, the pterosaur is just there. There's no introduction. There's no sense of, of pageantry. This movie is so big, and it has such big ideas, but there's no, there's no sense of scale. There's no sense of pageantry. There's no sense of excitement. And I know in the first Jurassic World, there is this idea that we have to create new dinosaurs because audiences are tired of dinosaurs. Which I understand as as a meta point. I, I can't remember how effectively the Matt movie explores it, but I get that as a theme. In but, in about a C plus kind of way. Sure. sure. Yeah. But this movie really lives it because it's like we don't we don't even care that there are dinosaurs in this movie. There's a scene where Pratt and uh, Dewanda Wise are looking in the jungle for Bryce Dallas Howard, and I can't remember if it's the T Rex or an Allosaurus shows up, and they're hiding behind a tree, and you see the snout of the T Rex under the tree. That should be the tensest thing in the world. And it the movie plays it like, huh, I wonder what he's going to eat. And I know that it's the introduction of the big di- the big uh, carnivore. I get that. 
but like it's so stupid this movie is so effing stupid that it can't even like understand that it has i'm trying really hard not to swear but like it it has dinosaurs in it and it has no sense of whether that's impressive or cool or scary or interesting like there's a scene in this giant bazaar where they're underground and they're trading bad puppets of dinosaurs and during the big firefight a guy is caught on fire and then another guy runs over and is like i'll grab the part of you that's on fire and pull you to safety and it's okay so then that guy catches fire there's these two big i want to say carnosauruses yeah. and one of them goes to bite down on the guy his mouth about closes on the guy before they cut away and then in the background of the next shot you see the two dinosaurs eating a guy on fire while Chris Pratt has a boring knife fight with a rat-faced guy. <laughs> like, There's the fact also, that right the movie that cares scene. more about showing you this stupid, dumb knife fight than the fact that two dinosaurs are eating a guy on fire. There, like, yeah, what there, movie do you think you're making? It's it's so weird. That that really stood out to me, that like little scene, because <clears throat> the carnosaurs, whatever, bust out of the cages. And they're, one, of the, one of the goons who's just there... Uh, the carnosaur like goes at him right away or one of them does. And he just like stumbles backwards over a railing. And it's not like a lot. He doesn't like fall. He just like a long way. It's just like five feet maybe. And he's like, Oh, it's like, what? (laughs) Like, and I was thinking, I was like, so again, talking about sort of the uh, mainstream TV vibes that I Mm -hmm. got from this movie, I was like, okay, so they were really not showing a lot of the violence. They're not really interested in, in getting into that. But later on, there's a part where some T-Rex or something just like eats a guy on a bike. He's just like in the city. I uh, think it's that. I think it's after that. Is it? Is it kind scene? of? The I think it's still those scene. dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. So that was really jarring. I was like, wait, why? What? <laughs> like, well, what, why are you it's, not? It's it I don't is know. weird because like the first Jurassic Park has some bloody mm-hmm. parts, uh, literally bloody human body parts. But and I understand this movie not wanting to get really gory or anything. That's fine. You know, have people yeah. dinosaurs with each other in half. But like, even though a dinosaur does get impaled, but like that it's so hesitant to actually show you the thing that you would think is is what's interesting or what we're there. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to see a Jurassic World movie, you would think you're there to watch dinosaurs eat people and do dinosaur action stuff, fight and stuff. Yeah, like, and, and I understand if there were, and I, I I do respect the movie for using more practical effects than I was expecting and having more puppets and animatronics I, I don't think they looked very good but i respect the the attempt i respect the the involvement of them and if there it was is all, also yeah, it was a lot all, of cg <laughs> oh well that exactly though I, I i would understand if it were all physical and they were like well you know it's you kind of have to get creative with how you cut and show how a puppet is attacking somebody yeah. as opposed to a cg dinosaur but it's like it's cg you can do whatever <laughs> like yeah. i mean i don't know budgetary stuff the scene where uh they're running from the dimetrodons and the 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 mines and they run up, and uh, they get to the gate, and they're pounding on the gate, and then Malcolm comes up to save them. Most, I feel like most of the shots in that are of the people looking frantically at each other. Occasionally, you'll see one of the, the Demetrodons. But, like, there's no real sense of where the Demetrodons are in comparison to them. I know they're behind, a, 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 a like, a mining cart, but I, you only see the humans or the front of the Metrodon's faces. You don't get like a, I don't know. It's just, it, it felt like the movie was constantly going, Oh, and then we'll have this idea and then we'll do this thing, but we're not really going to show it to you. We're just going to overcut it and not really display the dinosaurs. Um, it's, it's absolutely, it was so one, frustrating to me. One part that really stuck out to me early on, not, not so much action machines, action scenes, but talking about the dinosaurs. Um, there is a part early where they are like, there's a 
apatosaurus or something um, that is like trapped around some logs and they're moving some stuff around to help it get out from yeah. this this site or their this lumber site. Um, and like the movie's trying to portray it as like, oh, look at this majestic, beautiful mm. dinosaur and like what what a scenic, snowy mountain view and like the you know the, what a beautiful thing uh but a it, it does not look very good i mean it looks it looks slightly better than the original cg apatosaurus from uh the the first movie has aged like sure. it, it's it's a it's a step above that but it's it's not much um and like the way the scene is shot is so just like the dinosaur is in the frame got the whole thing you can see the whole dinosaur there look at that (laughs) like it's not yeah again there's no real sense of scale and specifically as they're kind of doing this there's it starts like beeping because the a truck is backing up like there's there's a like very loud like over the scene and it's it just like uh, i feel like every other movie and this includes like jurassic world and fallen kingdom has at least captured that sense of groundedness of like not not so much with you know some of the like the indominus rex or whatever from the the um first jurassic world but like there there are scenes that are like the opening scene of jurassic park where you have this is is that the opening scene where you have the raptor that's uh trapped in the cage oh yeah it's like human technology interacting with uh, the dinosaurs and what that looks like. What do the dinosaurs look like dealing with the modern world? Uh, and this is so like clumsily and not uh, thoughtfully done in terms of how all of that happens throughout the movie that the the dinosaurs never feel real at all in this. Yeah. Like there's no point at which it's like, oh, wow, that like, that's really uh, exciting. The dino- every single dinosaur to me in this movie felt like a, you know, big cgi monster a la yeah. godzilla from the 98 movie no yeah like, they all they all felt like movie creatures they didn't yes. and I, I don't mean like movie creatures just like the animal in a movie they didn't yes. feel like dinosaurs yeah i agree i did figure out uh the movies that were playing at the drive-in it is a double feature apparently uh-huh. of american graffiti and flash gordon what <laughs> Okay. okay. Oh right, when the Spicolodon shows up. I I I that's so that's, weird. Yeah. Oh I, well, I Bryce Dallas Howard's dad is in American Graffiti, I think. Oh, there you go. So there's one reference. Uh, and Chris Pratt was in Flash Gordon. Yeah, and you take pictures with a camera, like a movie camera, <laughs> and a camera can have a flash on it. Interesting. Yeah. I think the closest the movie came to actually exploring an action sequence, well, I guess kind of towards the end, but there's a bit where Pratt and DeWanda Wise land on like an icy mm. thing with water and a, a a feathered raptor shows up. It's also weird that this movie will and won't acknowledge that dinosaurs had feathers. Yeah. I know that's a fairly new, like recent discovery in, in our world, but like occasionally they went, yeah, they had this dinosaur has feathers because dinosaurs had feathers, but not the T-Rex. <laughs> like yeah and it, well they, i mean in fairness um i guess if it's the same t-rex yeah but but like they've they've 
said that they've been kind of altering messing them. with sure it. That, yeah that's true on that's a true. dna level since yeah, the beginning fair. so like yeah Dr. Wu is, I, I want to say he has a throwaway line about that in, in one Maybe. of the previous films I think where he's so. like, yeah, the, these things aren't actual, like, true-to-life dinosaurs. Like, we've manipulated them this whole time. Yeah, and I mean, they talk about that, like, in the first one, even with, like, they've got frog DNA. And yeah. Yeah, that, that that's true. But in that in that scene, it it's kind of like, they, they briefly try to make it like that scene in King Arthur with the, the ice lake. So the dinosaur shows up and Pratt gets his gun and Wise has a knife and or maybe vice versa. And the raptor's gonna try to eat him and the raptor swims around in the water and jumps up. Like it's still badly cut and it's not a good sequence, but at least I understood what the premise of that fight was, and mm-hmm. then they did it. Um there is also a really weird moment where they you you see the wreckage of the plane and all the CGI smoke, and Pratt and Dwand Wise get out and you're like Oh, they made it. I didn't think they would. And there's this long, this big wide shot of them standing next to the wreckage of the plane. There's a long beat, and I was like, oh, they're going to do a joke. Here comes like a, a, a joke to put a button on this. And she goes, that was my baby. And then the scene's done. And I was like, that's, mm-hmm. that's the line? That's your button line? What are you talking about? Weird. Yeah, I, I think kind of going off of that, the other big thing about the action scenes is that these movies have accumulated uh, Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, who else from is like returning from the? Uh, I, I guess there's not really. Oh, clear, not clear. The other, the clone. Yeah. Oh, Maisie. 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 Uh, Maisie. Like they've accumulated a few characters, right? That are already like the Jurassic World cast. Yeah. This movie also has all of the original Jurassic Park cast and they have their own adventure going on. They're doing their own thing. And at no point did I feel tension about any of those characters dying. <laughs> and so like you, yeah. you've created this thing where it's like, there's like seven people here and I do not believe your bluff for a second that they are in danger. Like you're not going to, yeah. you're well, not going to like any Han Solo, uh, Alan yeah. Grant here. Like it, it, it's just not. Yeah. I don't think any named characters die in this movie. I think it's just some extras. Yeah. As opposed to, I mean, some of the other movies in the Jurassic World, or some of the others, the other two Jurassic World movies, and then obviously, like, Jurassic Park. And, I mean, all three, the original Jurassic Park movies are like, let's kill off some of this cast. Like, this, it, it is like, the thing about the dinosaurs interacting with modern, the modern world extends to, these are dangerous, unpredictable forces of nature that you are trying to control and that's going to have negative consequences, including actual death. And like, this is not, this movie that is about, the premise is so like, has to grapple with that. It has to explore those themes and ideas and it just doesn't and is actually the worst at looking at those themes of any of the movies, despite the fact that the premise is now literally what if dinosaurs took over the world. Yeah, like I, I don't get it. <laughs> How Still baffled. Before we jump into the locusts, um, because mm. I had no idea of the damage that the locusts could cause to humans. Um, there's a pretty lengthy scene of Bryce Dallas Howard and Laura Dern both like in hazmat suits that are like slowly getting cut up by. Or maybe oh, it's uh, Sam Neill. 
Uh, oh yeah that happens early in them this movie's too freaking long yes. um but there's a scene where they just get bombarded by the locusts and i was like how are they getting hurt are they, like what's yeah. what damage are they causing but i did want to ask because this is like a big moment in the trailer and everything so bryce dallas howard after she kind of emergency she does the parachute to get out of the plane she's like having to slowly crawl and get into this this little puddle and she has to hide underwater to escape the dinosaur i feel like that was maybe one of the better moments i mean it's still i would agree great. with that yeah no i yeah because that was a moment the dinosaur like creeps after and that is the thing that actually does try to take some time yeah and try to build out some tension of is she gonna get away from it and what are you know here's where they each are and then the dinosaur like beans and a it bends down and roars at the water, and then it pans down, and you see her right underneath the surface. Yeah, um, it is hokey, but like I think you're right. Like that is that is close in 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 a in a Jurassic Park three. That would be like, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. amazing, but like, oh, there's think, another moment in the movie. I think it's a little too simple at this point for me to be like genuinely tense sure. by it. You know, um. I think the one moment that did genuinely get me is towards the end when there's just kind of that long, like 20 minute chase. It seems like where they're just kind of running through the facility um, and they're having to climb up a ladder to escape yeah. the gigabytosaurus. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's particularly a part where Maisie starts climbing it and she gets, yep. she gets into like the upper half and there's a little barrier around where she is. And the Gigabytosaurus, like, bites into the barrier and is, like, squeezing it so it's getting tighter and tighter. Mm-hmm. And they keep telling Maisie, no, you need to climb now. And yeah. she's, she's like, frozen with fear. She's like, I am going to die. Yeah. Well, that was nice the little... one That yeah. was the one moment. And there's, like, a nice wide shot where you see the jaws kind of clamping yeah. onto the, the barrier. I agree. That was the one moment where I was like, oh. They're not going to kill this little girl, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> you almost got me. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a neat little image. I, I, I agree. And there's in a part a, in, in that, that two and a half hour movie. There was mm-hmm. one yeah. like five second image. Well, Jeff Goldblum throws a flaming spear into its mouth, which should be the coolest thing ever. And instead, I was like, huh. it, it kind of breathed fire for a minute. I mean, the, the problem is, like, Jeff Goldblum has become such a meme yes, that right. like anything he does on this movie, I'm like, he didn't. He's not taking this so, seriously. I I think this is a good pivot point. Um, this is probably, and I say this very much not disparaging the, the cast, this is probably the worst set of performances uh, I have seen in, in a while at least, uh, in, in a movie that is like this big budget. Yeah. Like, it feels like the directing is all over the place. Um, I don't know. Like everyone in the movie seems like they are just sort of generally confused and not really feeling what's going on. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that, like they are just like, "Ah, I'm not really vibing with this. Um, And the for me the one of the big ones is is our CEO man, uh, who uh, as Alex pointed out to me is played by the dad of Peter Parker in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, movie the which, which, Campbell whatever. Scott sure, um, and he's doing such a phoned in like, oh he's he's a Steve Jobs you know he's 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 a CEO he's got a 
sort of like minimalist, like hip look to him because he's got like his white hair, short white hair and, and like his sort of all black outfit. Um, and and he's doing this like. It's like. I, I feel like his dialogue is like uh, Jesse Eisenberg from Batman versus Superman, but the performance is just like a dad. Yeah. <laughs> the performance yeah. is just like one of one of just like a dad was was saying these lines um and it's it's just it's just terrible um and i'm not really like putting that again on like really any of the cast because there's some good some good actors in here um some very good actors in here but like it doesn't feel like anybody has any idea what's going on yeah um yeah and the no, yeah. well go ahead no, no no you go ahead okay uh There are two exceptions to this that to me sort of make me feel even more like the the fact that they stick out to me makes me more confident that I feel like no one had any like idea how to do the scenes that they were given. Um, One is that Chris Pratt, I think, is actually pretty good in it. Uh, And that is to me speaks to the fact that the script is just very like basic and (laughs) generic just like yeah. lots and lots of like action lines and stuff and yeah and just sort of like i have to go like, back for her i'll always no, come it's back you yeah. yeah yeah uh and and chris pratt has a lot of experience with sort of uh lame schlocky yeah. <laughs> like scripting like that um and then also jeff goldblum is literally just jeff goldblum yeah. he's not he's not doing uh his his original character there he's just like uh i don't it's it's literally the same way that he acts on his uh quirky national geographic show on disney plus um it is him in real life and he is just saying these lines uh when we open you could convince me that the real life jeff goldblum gave a presentation (laughs) on dinosaurs and how people don't understand the dangers that we're dealing with with nature and that that was just like something Jeff Goldblum Goldblum gave because he was making a passionate speech about that to like a college seminar or something. Like it, it's yeah, it is. He is not attempting to modify this at all. Uh, he is totally just being himself, and that I think is very much like they got Jeff Goldblum and were like, "Hey, you want to do this movie?" And he's like, "Do I have to really act at all?" And they're like, <laughs> eh, "No, I mean just just do your thing." And he's just like, "Okay," and like he just said the lines and collected a paycheck. And because he's Jeff Goldblum, it's great. He's charismatic. Yeah. Um, but it's not the same character uh, to, to me. Yeah. And it was fascinating. And then like, meanwhile, you have, you have poor Sam Neill who's getting like, I don't, I don't even know. Like they're, yeah. they do the whole thing where now um, Sam Neill and uh, I'm, Laura Dern. Sick and t- Laura Dern. There we go. I was like, I can't forget Laura Dern's name. Uh, that makes me sad, but I am sick and tired. So that bear with me here. Um, the two of them have to have the romance and like, it's like, Oh, yeah. they weren't romantic before, but now we have to pull that back around. Cause we've got them both in the same movie. And that's what people are going to want to see is them live. Happily yeah. Ever Cause after. people kind of decided that that was a romantic thing, even though I it, pretty, the, that's not the point. Like one of the yeah. many, many great things about the first movie is there's no love story. Yeah. Like it's not, that's not why any of these characters are interacting with each other in the first movie. Yeah. yeah. I thought they were cute. I mean, they're fun. They're, they're cute together. Like, and that the actors, yeah, I think the actors, the are actors nice are together. nice, but like, 
and I, I do think the extended cut has some small, like some extended sequences of just okay. the two of them talking to each other. So I was like, okay, well, that's nice. this is nice. But like the, there's even the thing where Maisie at one point asks them like, oh, right. do you guys have kids? And they're like, oh, we're not together. Why would you think we're together? Like yeah. it's the most, again, generic, the, the, the combination of the script and me feeling like from from my from what I was able to glean, it feels like no one got any real direction. Either no one got any direction, or everyone got way too much direction. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Um, yeah, but I just and I felt like every time a new character entered the movie, they were trying to do. They they were really trying to act <laughs> like that's what it felt like every time someone new showed up. Um, yeah. And and Britain, you I may or may not have stronger opinions about this being someone who knows acting a lot better than i do um but like i don't know that that was my read on it i felt like something was totally off yeah. with just about every person in the movie no I, I i i don't think anyone in it is like truly horrible i think yeah i i, I agree with what you say i think that sam neill i mean he's never been like you know the greatest actor on the face of the planet but he's a good actor and he's really yes. good in hunt for the wilder people and, yes but this feels like he's doing a more cartoony version of what if Alan was old and grumpier? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like, eh, yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, Laura Dern's always good, yeah. you know, um, but they make Sam Neill do this jump scare where a Demetrodon surprises him <laughs> and he makes the silliest face. Like he's <laughs> earnest being scared, stupid and fall off a ladder. It's so silly. His, um, his opening yeah. lines are like, what is digging? Yeah. digging why, is why do we dig finding the truth of science god it it is <laughs> not good i would also point out that again this movie's complete inability to present things you get a wide shot of him and you're like that's alan grant and then you get the close-up of him and it's not like a presentational who is this guy it's not a slow pan up from his feet it's just like a you're you, just again people in frame there's man we know that's grant there's, there's no there's his face do, do, do. Right. There's you know. no sense of that. Goldblum is similarly presented lamely. Uh, Dern shows up and gets to get out of the car and take her sunglasses off, and she's wearing her outfit from the first movie. So at least that's a, like, oh, get it, it's Ellie. Mm -hmm. But the other returning characters are just like, yep, there they are. I, I was really uh, turned off by all three of them basically wearing their original outfits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Jeff Goldblum is just straight up wearing ian malcolm's outfit from the first film like leather jacket and all yes. <laughs> that said i assume jeff goldblum does that <laughs> yeah he probably just showed up and they were like oh oh you did oh, okay all right, i think i think what really cemented my anger at that was they try and do a bit where he unbuttons his shirt or he starts to and oh, sure. uh is it kayla is that, is that the new character the pilot oh, okay um she's like oh don't do that that and it's like <laughs> Great to set up a joke and then stop it. What? Well, <laughs> she was a weird. It's, it's I, like it's like the bit in Dark Fate when Arnold goes to put on the sunglasses and yeah, then he just yeah. doesn't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, and and I, Dewanda Wise, I haven't seen her in other stuff. I thought she was very charismatic. I don't think they knew what to do with that character because at times she was comic relief and at times she was supposed to be the cool aloof chick. And that character can be a character can be both things, but with her they felt like they kept switching tones. 
Um, well, also, they spent way too much time on on her like monologuing her backstory and then also yeah. her motivation for, oh, I, I let them take Macy yeah. and now I feel bad. So I'm going to help you. And it's like, n- n- I assure you, no one cares. Yeah. yeah they, not they not her, a one. <laughs> and, and again, like she gets the most generic like she she meets Bryce Dallas Howard and she's like, I'm not going to help you. You you need to be. You know, like smarter and able to you know handle yourself they're gonna rip you apart american like it's it's so like i don't don't know i feel like every line in this movie is a line that has already been written in another movie yeah um well and i'll I'll just close up by saying i i like justice smith on principle i've only seen him in three movies including this one i haven't really liked a lot of those movies really any of them fully but i like always like him in things Mm. and uh, either Mamadou or Mamudu Afi, who plays Ramsey, he makes that character so much more interesting than that character is, because I think Afi is a very charismatic actor. He's got a great voice. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in that movie Bre- Brie Larson directed called Unicorn Store, and he's I, I I liked him in that. I like him in this just because I was like, oh yeah, I want to see more of this guy because he's got a cool voice and a lot of charisma. Um, it's nice to see BD Wong again using that theater training to try to make it make those scenes work with his great hair, um, yeah. and he's trying his darn best. And I, I think Bryce Dallas Howard is also like trying. <laughs> I think she is. I yeah. think she's like, look, if you're gonna keep paying, if you're gonna keep funding my directing efforts, I'm at least gonna make <laughs> it worth your time. And she gets to say run, so that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like the, I, th- yeah. again, like I, I think a lot of people in the movie feel like they're baffled by what they're having to say. Like they're right, like, right. how? Uh, okay, so I guess it's like this. Like is yeah. that how you want me to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is very like starter kit <laughs> character yes. dialogue. Yes. So. Yeah. Um. Why does this movie decide to focus on Locus? Why is that? Well, I think it goes back to the TV uh, thing. Like that is such a this on this week on Dino Planet, we're talking about locust problems, and that becomes the core of the movie. But then they go, <laughs> "Oh wait, we got to have a lot of dinosaurs." The T Rex shows up and fights the the long nail thing and the giant saurus. But it's just confusing because we've spent five now six movies being like, "Okay, dinosaurs are the metaphor for meddling with science and ruining the planet." Yeah, like that's. That's the mm. metaphor that we're focusing on. And then they're like, no, these locusts are going to wipe out our crops and stuff because global warming. Um, like, I, I, like, I don't know why they just... Replacing a good they, metaphor with a more heavy-handed one. It's like, yeah. like a more, it's like, no, that's not... We can't... We can't... We're not good enough to pull that off. We can't get right. that, like, to, to come across. Yeah. Like, there's the bit where there's, like, just another guy with justice smith like at the cia office or whatever and they're yes. just looking at computers uh, and he's just he's an exposition master that is like he uh, just spits it out so fast but he's just like oh yeah the locust and he's got a big map where they're just wiping out like no, the I midwest can, i can i can give some context there and tell you exactly what happened there because that is uh caleb Huron. he's a comedian that i only literally only know from twitter like i just like found some of his videos and he, he was hilarious uh, they but they, the, they no no that's well. that's my thing is like he's like uh you know a guy who's funny on the internet and so you know what they did there is they said okay you because like the way he delivers it is like oh man yeah locusts they're gonna get us all they're gonna you know like humanity's going down the drain um 
and that kind of comes not too long after that opening montage. You can tell they did that because it was like, we have to get somebody who will, uh, or get somebody to deliver this little bit of exposition who will like come across like the way that, you know, the internet interfaces with this kind of stuff. Like that, that to me immediately stood out because I, I recognized him. Um, and I think I'd, I'd heard that he was in this, uh, it immediately stood out to me as like, Oh, you, you got that guy because you were like, yeah, you say some stuff and people it'll, it'll come across like you're like a, a savvy internet guy. And that's, and then that'll be our commentary on like internet, you know, the way people interface with, with, uh, terrifying things on the internet. Like I, I am fairly confident that that is why they did that. Like why he got cast. Uh, but good for him to get a paycheck. Uh, <laughs> With also like how in the first one, they weirdly get Lauren Lapkus and Jake Johnson to come on. And Jake Johnson kind of gets some jokes. And they're like, yeah, we got these comedy did, people. Did Jake Johnson anyway. die at some point in these? I don't remember. We see Lauren Lapkus' face not, on a, and as part of a docket, like a dossier. Okay. Jake Johnson's picture is in there too. Is it? Okay. You're right. I, I don't remember if, I don't remember if they died or not. That, it's so bizarre how they treat like past characters in these movies. Because like Justice Smith and... Daniela Panetta is is the other uh, the female scientist that is she's from Fallen Kingdom like the two of them are introduced mm-hmm. there and I found both of them very annoying in that movie um and the whole time I was going Jake Johnson was in your your previous film just bring him <laughs> back he can he can do both of these roles in his sleep Jake um, Jake Johnson should be the like Ian Malcolm yeah. type that you bring in when you don't have the budget for Chris Pratt or you want to <laughs> you want to cut costs somewhere and yeah. so you you make him the new the new lead yeah. man in the third movie. Like I don't For sure. I don't get it. Yeah, that'd be great. I like him a lot. Yeah, but so so like the two of them show up and they're like, yeah, we're we're out of the movie. We're bye. Yeah. <laughs> Fallen Kingdom was bad. Sorry, bye. <laughs> no, <laughs> but then you got Omar Sy who shows up for for the Malta action sequence, and it's like. Nobody aside from me is going to remember that he was in yeah. the first Jurassic World. Like, yeah, like that. And most and Britain, you you didn't even remember his, the relationship that he had with Chris Pratt in that movie. Yeah, because like they meet and they hug like, oh, man, another crazy adventure. And I was like, do they know each other in the first movie? And then I went, I bet he was in the second movie. And they like it did a lot of stuff with this character. Um, and then they it turns out that. that was not the case. And Tyler was like, Bishop's in this. <laughs> Honey, honey, wake up. <laughs> Going grabbing your son. That's Bishop. One day, one day we'll have good X-Men movies. Um yeah. Hey. <laughs> Deadpool 3. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Tyler must be the killer because that cut deep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talking of poorly handled returning characters. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, that was just jarring to me. And also, he has to be beset upon by a Velociraptor. The Velociraptors don't look very good. Um, there's a whole thing where the Velociraptor Blue now has a baby, and that's a yes. plot thing. Um, the Velociraptors aren't scary anymore. Um, no. In the, in the first movie, <laughs> there is a shot of a door handle turning down, and it is one of the scariest things in that movie. And it is so daunting and haunting and effective and powerful. And now we have a Velociraptor snapping at a guy and it doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. But. And also, it's it's very strange how 
So Chris Pratt's character, Owen uh, Grady. Okay, I, I I I get his name confused because the Red Letter Media guys they like calling him Owen Thunderguns. <laughs> that's that's just that the name. So they much ascribe. better. I call him that Slab would be so Beefneck. good. Yeah, they should they should like steer into that. Yeah, blast, <laughs> yeah, I know. Give him something blast hard cheese, etc. <laughs> but so his whole shtick is that he, I want he, I want Chris Pratt's character to be named Brick Punch Fist. <laughs> I want that to be. This is Punt Speed Chunk. <laughs> so his whole shtick is that he holds up his hands and controls Velociraptors, and then in this movie, which at least the Fallen Kingdom was pretty consistent about how he's able to do that. Yeah. This movie is just no. It doesn't matter what dinosaur he's interacting with. Yeah, it doesn't even matter if it's him or Maisie or whoever. Anyone can do it. Just hold up your hands. Yeah, just magneto it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a there is a hilarious. So you, I don't know how the movie actually like the last couple shots. Cause I just wasn't looking at the TV. I went to brush my yeah, teeth yeah. and let it let it run out. Sure. But the there's a there's a series of shots. Of Chris Pratt and a, and a Velociraptor is just back and forth between the two of them and looking at each other like, I know, girl, you got to go. And then he just kind of nods and, and the Velociraptor runs away. It's incredibly silly. Isn't there a moment where Blue actually takes a swipe and like cuts his hand or something? Yes, because there's no blood. But we see like Chris Pratt, like yeah. he like groans or something but yeah, we don't yeah, yeah. get a reaction of like oh his hand is bleeding or he's wrapping it up or anything what you like you uh need to realize is they were playing the uh the classic uh schoolboy game ninja ah uh, <laughs> uh, so the velociraptor hit his, his his arm and he lost yeah okay yeah that's right <laughs> he was real but yeah that it. was it was a real was... it was a real blow for mac football <laughs> but I, I feel like every scene between Owen and Blue throughout all of the it's the exact same scene it's is is Blue going to attack me let's stare into right. each other's eyes yeah don't you do it <laughs> don't you do and then Blue just runs away every scene they do this like 50 <laughs> well, times Blue knows that Owen can give him a bad Indian burn and he doesn't want to <laughs> he doesn't want to deal with that but oh, like no, preposterous I, yeah I, I thought it would have been interesting if Blue actually just kind of lost it after yeah. losing the the baby raptor and just like started attacking them and maybe make that yeah. an exciting action scene of like we we cannot control blue now yeah I, I did think it was kind of funny when like the gigantosaurus attacks and chris pat immediately puts his hand up like whoa 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 it's like the thing to make yourself big so a bear's like oh you're right yeah. i shouldn't eat you it's, uh it's just... do we do we want to talk about that final scene which and go for it. I I mostly was watching the entire thing. Uh, it happens <laughs> in about a thirty second span. So, I I remember talking about in Jurassic World how, despite like in our podcast for that, despite having you know a lot of reservations throughout the movie, I was over the moon about the big final fight in that where mm. you've got the the T Rex teams up with the Velociraptors, uh, and they're taking down this this again. The movie does interface with the theme of the first yeah. movie even if it's not you know super artistic like it's it's thing about it because it's like here's these two you know more natural creatures and they're the old uh traditional dinosaurs from this franchise and they're taking down this like it's almost like a meta a meta commentary they're taking down yeah. the new blood the new uh big shiny scientific abomination and they're they're teaming up and putting after the first movie ends with the 
the two of them fighting. Um, and then the Mosasaur gets to do the big bite. It's fun. Uh, it's it's that scene like is neat and and it looks good and like the dinosaurs. There's dinosaur choreography and like yeah. all this stuff happens. This movie has the Gigantosaurus um, and the T Rex. They do a fight and Gigantosaurus is like no and like hits him or bites him or something. T Rex T Rex is like oh no and it falls down. Uh, and I'm going to be honest. I don't remember at what point we set up the big velociraptor thing with the claws and the feathers where I, I don't remember. Is that just like, is that just, is that just there at the end? I think so. Did we see it earlier? I think we saw it earlier, but I don't remember there being a sense of like, it was here and now it's here. We see it earlier. I can't remember. <laughs> But anyway, it's it's there in the big fight. So. Uh, it's got Look, big, dinosaurs are in this movie for approximately five minutes. It's it's got big yeah. it's got big pointy claws that it's walking around with like its arms splayed out as if it's sort of like I don't like like it's like somebody who like a waiter who's holding like a lot of <laughs> knives and like trying yeah. to be like oh excuse, excuse me oh mm-hmm. gotta get through careful uh, and then during the it shows up and the Gigantosaurus is like I'm gonna fight you now uh, and we. Again, talking about the movie, just like having no tension and then occasionally attempting it and doing a very poor job of it. Uh, There's a zoom in on the T-Rex's eyes. And it's like getting really close while the T-Rex is lying there. And it's like, hey, I wonder what's going to happen in this scene. You know how we've really set up that like you're really not sure if the T-Rex is going to get up here and like you're really invested in this final battle between these three random dinosaurs only one of which you have any investment in and which already got the scene that was way better than this two movies ago uh oh look his eyes open big big moment ah and then literally it turns around and like headbutts the gigantosaurus into the dinosaur that's sitting there holding its knife hands like oh 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 okay and the gigantosaurus just gets impaled on him and it's dead Um, it's it's truly embarrassing. Yeah, it is like <laughs> I'll also say as, as they set up. Oh, go ahead. I that this is all. That's all there was. <laughs> they do all their facing off and they're growling at each other. And there's this big close up on Chris Pratt and he goes, "This isn't about us." And I said, "Then why has most of the movie <laughs> been about you? If it's not about the like?" And then they run. And I think after he says that, the camera's mostly on the people running away. And I was like. If this is a worse version of that sequence in Bumblebee where Haley Steinfeld's running towards the camera as the robots are fighting mm-hmm. behind her, uh, which is a great movie. And in that movie, in case anyone had forgotten, a robot throws a uh, chain around the other robot, pulls on the robot, and the other robot explodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's yeah, yeah. great. This movie has nothing like that. Correct. Um, yeah, I love but... that part where, uh, where Chris Pratt was like, this is one jaw that's too big for Johnny Dinosaur to handle. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And that was a good part of the movie, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it 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 he says this isn't about us, which is a complete lie. This mm-hmm. movie is only about people. I don't know, and it's such a the first Jurassic Park does such a wonderful job of going. Nature wins. You can't fight nature. You're all doomed because of nature, and 
the the final fight, the humans only survive because the T-Rex happened to show up and be like, I'm going to eat that Velociraptor. He didn't save anybody. He just ate the Velociraptor. It's, it's such a brilliantly staged sequence and it's thematic and dynamic mm-hmm. to look at. And this one is like, well, it's certainly some of the most energy that a fight scene has had. And I do think it feels like more effort went into it. And again, it feels like it's exploring this, but it also just kind of feels like a beat em up. You know, it yep. doesn't. And it's, it's like, I feel like it's a minute long. Yeah. And it also, and maybe one of these things, and we kind of talked about this with uh, Harry Potter, where maybe dinosaurs fighting each other isn't as dynamic as we think it is. Or at least two dinosaurs who are built so similarly, where they're just a bunch of therapists. I don't know. I still feel like the first, the first Jurassic World has like a cool sequence. Like, and it's a long, like dinosaurs that are fight. They're also built like you have the yeah. velociraptor, so there's a little bit of a disparity. There's some there. variation there that they're having to work through, but yeah, I, I still feel like there's something. There's a lot of ground missed here. I don't know. I mean, oh, th- totally. Yeah. There's also, I I guess that it still applies that they're different. But I was just thinking of the King Kong T Rex sure. fight scene, as I always yeah. must. Um, so good. It is my curse, my blessing. Uh, but it would have been funny if that Pteranodon who ate a dove earlier, just like flew down and vomited a dove and it landed in the gigantic horse's <laughs> eye. And he was like, Oh, wait, wait, oh, pause, no. pause, time out, time out, time out. No fair. I was half expecting, um, blue to show up in the final act. Like sure. no explanation as to how blue got there. Just <laughs> With a like... gun. <laughs> See, that would be good though. Yeah. This is another one. They have weapon. They're like, if I oh uh, Deacon Lockman from uh, Severance, um, and probably Agents of Shield, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> she has Velociraptors that if you point a laser at somebody, the Velociraptor's like, "That's my my blood pact is mm-hmm. I must kill that specific human." That that is established in Fallen Kingdom, and ah. it was just as dumb in that movie. Mm-hmm. Was was she there? No. Okay. No, Rafe Spall was there. Okay. He, From he the was ritual? he was explaining what was going on the shenanigans sure. uh, okay. whatever whatever that so was. and this is the other thing is like I remember there being rumors that at one point they were gonna try and do like human dinosaur hybrids uh and like the entire Jurassic World franchise has been like threatening like oh they're gonna militarize these dinosaurs we're gonna get like. Yeah you know these dinosaurs doing all sorts of crazy things and like the last movie was about it ultimately the the set piece was a black market for selling these dinosaurs you're going to be able to do all sorts of crazy operations and it's going to be you know the new nuclear uh arms race kind of thing uh and then at the end of this movie uh after after all that after all that sort of like ooh we're going to take dinosaurs they're going to they're going to be industrialized they're going to be blended with modern tech it's going to be a whole thing and like you don't know what you're in for all this movie can come up with is like the big new dinosaur is like what if there was a big new dinosaur yeah what what if it was bigger yeah. this time and what if there, that other one had feathers and long claws well like there, uh, there's the infamous quote that came out around the time of the movie when trevorrow was doing publicity and he said something like I think the the Gigabytosaurus is very similar to the Joker. He's just an agent of chaos. And like if 
if you're going to go that far and make that comparison, actually put that in the movie and actually have like a scene of the Gigabytosaurus just like wrecking shop and just like killing hundreds of dinosaurs at once, like go hog wild or with it. counterpoint laughing or laughing yeah. e- e- eating Robert De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they should have let Mark Hamill voice the Gigantosaurus. <laughs> that would have been pretty great, as if in the midst of this crazy thing, you were like, you just heard, Well, T-Rex, what <laughs> happens if it isn't my old nemesis. How about a joke, Murray? What happens when you cross a, a mentally unstable, genetically modified T-Rex, not a T-Rex, with a, with a terrible, terrible ending to a six-film saga? You get what you effing deserve. Good That's incredible. Lord. I feel like I saw that quote yeah, at it the does time and like totally forgot about it. That's but I, I do think there's actually something that could have been could have been done with that instead of just like short, oh it's short. another big dinosaur like have it like no it just kills anything and everything it sees like it does not yeah. discriminate like it's just a monster yeah. like actually do that right right no I, I i see what you're saying but they don't so i don't know why he said that <laughs> there's a bit where uh jeff goldblum when he is quitting the biosyn lab and he's telling dodgson off and he's doing the whole thing Dodgson says something, and then Jeff Goldblum points at him, and he pauses for about a minute and a half, and then he says, "Dodgson," and then he leaves. Oh yeah! And what I was, was like, that? "Is that a joke that he was like, now nah, I remember your name, or is he like, I'm gonna remember your name? Like what? What was that?" Oh, I did want to ask because I'm not sure if this was in the if, if this is a difference mm-hmm. between the cuts. So Dodgson, I guess it turns out that he's the guy that talked to Nedry in the original. And gave him the the can to put the the, the specimens in. Yeah. Right. I learned that from talking to you today. But yes, what? That, is, that is canon. The guy okay. at, at, in, in the restaurant at the beginning yeah, of Jurassic yeah. Park, where Nedry's like, "We got Dodge in here." Yeah, yeah. This is that guy. He's the new Who? CEO of Biosyn. Peter Parker's dad. Oh. Yeah. And Why? I think the yeah. final scene where his uh, uh, the assistant what's what's his name? It's uh, Ramsey. Yeah, he he goes in and he's like, hey, I sabotaged everything. I'm the reason everything's falling apart right now. I think that scene opens with with Dodgson having the can like and he's like packing up his stuff and he's about to leave. And it's it's like, how how did he he get the can? I thought Nedry lost it when he got killed. Postmates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, again, that is kind of the whole idea is like. Oh, the the human attempts at folly are reclaimed by nature and never found again. Like, I think they've probably done. I feel like they've probably done. Uh, for some reason, that rings a bell. That like maybe there's a video game, dress part video game that like involves finding the can again or something like that. I'm I'm sure it's not the first thing that's done something like that. But that so it's not what. <laughs> Wouldn't he be, did he like de-age himself? Well, it's a different actor. And, yeah. Uh, right. But yeah, like, what know. is the, what is the intention in the, you would, because, yeah, you would think like, he would be Alan older. Grant is the, what? No, I don't know. This is the desperate 
the desperation to remind you of the old movies. I'm trying to think of a comparison because I know there is one to like a, a really just like totally non thought through connection between a movie to make make you be like, isn't that a a neat reference? But I, I can't can't really think of anything that is even in the same ballpark as that. <laughs> That's fascinating. Somehow Palpatine has returned. <laughs> much much like so, in the much like in the first Grant movie. had the line somehow Dodson has returned. Well, much like in the first movie, we had Dodson here and nobody cared. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's the idea. Maybe that was the twist all along. Oh, that's it. It wasn't sloppy writing. It was a it was a clever wink. Look, look. What if Wayne was... Knight had come back with cybernetic right. legs and a triceratops head? Oh, mm-hmm. now you're talking. Oh, that have been great. Love Wayne Knight to be in a movie again. He probably is. <laughs> he also comes back looking like Doctor Octopus, but the is a dragon or whatever. I think I think this should have ended with like a black and white uh, flash forward, a la Better Call Saul, uh, where he's like in a at a Sbarro's in a mall, and they're like Dodgson food for Dodgson here, and then it just cuts. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> I think it would have been great as if, like, when Maisie finally meets up with Goldblum, he's like, oh, Maisie, I've been having to, oh, I've been so excited to tell you. It's a, uh, really a fascinating, oh, I love, I love the, the sort of hair and the way you're sort of doing the curtain bangs is very interesting. But I have to tell you, uh, you were, uh, uh, sorry, uh, sorry uh, uh, hello, Alan, it's good to see you. Uh, uh, you were, you were, uh, uh, you, you were born a Nedry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just... <laughs> What? I was born in Edry then, she says. <laughs> That's not how she talks. She's British, but <laughs> that'd be great as if it turned out <laughs> she wasn't a clone. She was a Nedry. Oh, oh, that that would have been perfect because then the ending. See, they could have mirrored the ending of Fallen Kingdom and been like, okay, we're going to go back to that original decision she made where she pressed the button and, and chose to spare all the dinosaurs. But instead, this time it's like, oh, uh, we're going to, there's like a nuke. And if you press it, it's going to kill all of humanity. Or we spare everyone to make six more terrible Jurassic Park movies. And she, she decides to press the button and she goes, everyone's just like me, a Nedry. So we're all dead. And then that's how it ends. Or, (laughs) uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything. Yeah, that could have worked. I, I took I, it a little I now, far. I now very much would love if there was a scene where Maisie, like, very coldly is, like, looking at Dodgson uh, as he's dangling from a bridge above the Gigantosaurus, and she's like, nobody cares, and then just, like, kicks him in the face. Well, 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 looks like I've got Dodgson here. It's it's like, if you're going to do that, then, like, do something with it. I don't know. Like, have fun with it. Also, they say that he was the co-founder of Jurassic Park. I don't remember that being the case in the first movie. No, it's not not that Dodgson is the co-founder. It's um, Macy's grandfather. Okay. But was that in the original movie? Because in Jurassic Park, I thought it was just all Hammond. No, it's it's kind of retconned in Fallen Kingdom. It's supposed to be James Cromwell is actually one of the co-founders. He, him and uh, Alan Grant, or not Alan Grant, 
uh, they were best buds when they made sure. uh, Jurassic Park. I mean, I like yeah. James Cromwell, but like, come on. Yeah. I think on the level of like, <clears throat> so so stick with me here. Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings trilogy, three movies. Yeah. Right. All all fantastic. All good. And then like the Hobbit movie is the Hobbit trilogy. That's like a big drop off across the board. If we're if we're looking at it holistically, you got those two trilogies. Which one's more, which one's better? Uh, and and how what's the the distance between them? Uh, then that's pretty significant, right? It's a pretty significant gap. I think if I'm if I'm really like processing this through the original Jurassic Park trilogy is not nearly the same consistency or quality. Yeah. yeah. One fantastic movie, one mediocre, depending on who you ask, maybe good or bad, but eh, movie. And then one that's like sci-fi B movie. Yeah. Like sci-fi channel B movie. Uh, and like is, is pretty not good, but also at least entertaining. Um, I think somehow this trilogy has managed to land has managed to create a larger gap between those mm. two trilogies than Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Mm. And that's like not nearly as high of a bar for this second one to clear. Like it didn't it didn't need to do that much to not be worse than the Hobbit movies are to Lord of the Rings. And yet and yet and yet <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't I feel like I've given so many movies uh some sort of F recently. And I'm gonna do it again. This is this is just an F for me. Like I'm not yeah, same. really like you know I, I think immediately after I was kinda like, eh, maybe it's like a D. The more we've talked about it, I'm like, there's nothing redeemable to me yeah. about this. I think it's just not very well made. I don't uh, remember what movie it was, but I remember Tyler saying he was giving it a D minus because an F would be too exciting. Um, yeah, I huh. give this one an F because it's exactly as exciting as the movie is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, apparently Bryce Dallas Howard or Claire is uh, a super ninja because there are multiple scenes where she'll sail between buildings. She's running between buildings and mm-hmm. leap mm-hmm. between the rooftops. And I don't, I don't know anything about Bryce Dallas Howard's athleticism, but it's just kind of out of nowhere that it's like, oh yeah, she can just make these incredible Jason Statham jumps. Like, well, well, look, we established in the first Jurassic World because everyone wanted to make a big deal about it. She can run in heels. That's fair. So she that does have superpowers true. of some kind right. already. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah, she can actually do that because she has um, incredible calves. Yeah. So like, te- Britain, maybe maybe go back and watch the the other ones before right. you before you make such a claim. <laughs> just you know. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought she maybe gotten some of those implants like that Ken Liu short story. <laughs> um, like, I'm going to give regular. it a D, which is the same grade that I gave Fallen Kingdom. Um, kind of trade-offs. Fallen Kingdom I find more baffling, but uh, I don't know. There were, there was, there were some things that I, I kind of liked. There were a couple moments here and there. And I thought the Malta scene overall was as just like a dumb adventure born indiana jones-esque sequence i thought it was fine yeah. um not yeah. enough trees but yeah i don't know I, I don't think watching the extended cut really saved it but uh yeah i did that and i will never forgive myself <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, a D. There you go. I don't know if I can say if we're talking overall averages. I don't know if I can say that that the Jurassic World trilogy is all that much worse than the originals because we we were very unkind to to Lost World and sure. the third one. I mean, I, I gave rather the third I would one rather like watch either of those movies. Yeah, though. I gave the third one an F plus, I believe. I so. I would take any of the Jurassic World movies over three. I cannot. <laughs> if you guys remember when we did our best of and worst of, sure. I, I had it in my worst of. I cannot stand that movie. Because you, you didn't like Taylor Leone yelling Eric. Yep. <laughs> Which I get. I understand. <laughs> I like Taylor Leone otherwise. I um, miss, I miss yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. I remember complaining about how cartoony his character was in the first Jurassic World. Oh, he and is in that. They've, they've really been dropping the ball with the villains. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just don't have villains. Maybe just have it be dinosaurs. Maybe just humans v. nature. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the yeah. point. Yeah. Like a movie. <laughs> I don't have anything to recommend this week. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I, I started watching. They put out, I don't know if it's technically a season two, but the uh, the documentary series The Vow on HBO Max, which is about the very strange, disturbing Nexium cult, right? which right. Uh, Smallville star Allison Mack was a part of, the the... It was called a sex cult, and there was a thing where they branded women, and it's very, very yeah. bizarre and creepy. Um, they put out season two, which actually focuses on a lot of the uh, the trial stuff, shenanigans, instead of just, like, the stuff that goes on beforehand. Um, it's fascinating and disturbing, and I probably shouldn't be watching it, given how stressed stressed out I've been as of late. It's not, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not great for my, my mental health, I guess, but it's a good show, so. The vow. There you go. <laughs> Tyler, you got anything? I don't. Uh, I do. It's it's nice when I have something that is the polar opposite of the movie mm-hmm. we watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a documentary to recommend that is under 90 minutes. Uh, it is called The Reason I Jump. This is uh, actually based from a book called The Reason I Jump, which I also recommend. Um, the book is a very short uh nonfiction book by Naoki Higashida. I believe it was published in 2007 when Higashida was 13. Uh, He is a, well, now he's just a little bit younger than me, but at the time he was a 13 year old, uh, uh, largely nonverbal autistic boy who basically wrote a memoir as a series of question and answers saying like, why do I flap my hands so much? Why do I get sensitive about these things? And explaining it from his perspective. And it was a kind of a watershed book in terms of neurotypical people getting a window into uh what 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 at least this one autistic person felt and that it was a really really big <clears throat> thing and it's a beautiful book I've, i'm currently reading it i think for the third time um it's really short and it's really beautiful and you should totally read it um it was translated into english by um i want to say ka yoshida is her name but her husband who co-translated it with her is david mitchell who wrote cloud atlas and some other stuff hmm. uh but anyway the movie is not about higashida it, it uses the book as a jumping off point to focus on these uh, five young autistic people from around the world and uses passages from the book as uh, as narration to kind of frame and introduce different elements of these other uh, young people's lives. And there's also intercut uh, sequences of a boy that I guess is representative in a way of Higashida. Um, David Mitchell is featured in the documentary uh, talking a little bit. It's, it's a really interesting movie because it's not a clinical documentary. It's much more Terrence Malick than Ken Burns. 
It's very dreamy. It's very, very much about imagery. It's one of the most beautifully photographed movies I've seen in a long time. Like it is stunning to look at. Uh, just the way that they, they frame a person looking out the window is gorgeous. And then there's just so much Im- like sequences and camera movements and flat images that are just really, really, I, just from an aesthetic perspective, you got to see it because it's beautiful. Um, but it also makes it less about, we're going to explain autism to you and more about just sort of presenting worldviews. And it's, the book does this too, because it was written 15 years ago and it, it does drift. And again, it was written by a 13 year old boy. So it, it drifts a little into the like, Oh, the, this other world. And what does it mean? We normal pe normal quote unquote people, we can't understand this hidden language. And it gets a little mysticky about that, which isn't, isn't great. And the movie does lean a little that direction, never in a truly de- destructive way. Um, it, but it's really, really great. Um, the, there is, it's not really hard to watch. There is a sequ- there is a, a, some footage of one of the kids having a meltdown that, that is kind of rough, but by the time it gets kind of reaches its apex, it cuts. Um, so it's, you know, the heads up on that, but otherwise it's just a very moving, beautifully shot movie directed by Jerry, Ro- Ro- Jerry Rothwell. Uh, so definitely read the book, totally watch the movie. They're both short and great. And the book is available at book places and the movie is on Netflix. Check it out. Well, there you go. It's everything Jurassic World Dominion is not. <laughs> Short, beautiful, poignant, well-written, beautiful to look at, uh, edited brilliantly. Yeah. We don't know what we're doing next. Hopefully something better, but like... Something better. Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I, I guess we'll just do. have to do... Spymate. Halloween again. <laughs> Which is what the next one's going to be called. <laughs> it's Halloween again? As Keenan and Kel look yeah, shocked yeah. at the camera. I think this should be a reboot of Halloween Resurrection. I think that's what we need to do. Or a, a remake. Who's a modern day Busta Rhymes? Aside from Travis Tritt. <laughs> the first name that jumped into my mind was Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> He'll get the joke. I want someone deadly serious. I want the Zach Brown really? band. I, mean, I he want, will, but like, I want Billy Ray Cyrus to spin kick Michael Myers. <laughs> I don't know that Billy Ray Cyrus is the modern day Buster Rhymes. I guess no, but don't you? I want also that, don't though? think Lin Manuel Miranda is. But that's no, a different. I'm gonna drive my feet to the old man's chest. <laughs> we'll find something to review yeah, we'll uh, talk about here. next week. But until then. I've been Tyler, and you can find us on herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. Oh, you can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcast and other other podcast places, uh, and so on and so forth. I mean, we're going to have to get Cameron Huron in here to exp- exposit all that stuff. Uh, I've been Britain. I've been Alex. And don't watch Jurassic World Dominion, and you'll have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>